Welcome to B2B Impact by BDB. Join me, Matt Smith, CEO of BDB, and Oliver Brewood, BDB's Head of Digital and Technology, as we get together to discuss the myriad of trends, topics, opportunities, and developments in the world of B2B marketing and communications. Our aim is to arm you with content, opinions, and insights that deliver lasting and meaningful impact across the B2B community, helping the global businesses and brands we partner with navigate their way through the information and communication revolution. Are you ready to make an impact? Hi everybody and welcome back to the B2B Impact and on this week's episode we're going to focus on something slightly different um, and we're going to talk around the art of forecasting because in my, in my, uh, in my viewpoint it certainly is a dark art. Um, we thought it might be interesting to bring it to life for clients and prospects and any students out there of how you go about forecasting particularly in our sector obviously in a marketing agency but obviously taking the topic a bit further out into mm -hmm. maybe other sectors or the businesses other experiences that we've had. Um, alongside potentially recommending some uh, social media content that we found recently, which was highly amusing uh, <laughs> around the topic. So um, I've got a bit of a unique background having come from um, corporate finance, M&A and accountancy. So we did a lot of the forecasting for clients back in the day, yeah. um, which obviously leads you to have a bit more of a granular approach to things. But what's your, what's your take on it? You've worked at several different businesses, Ollie, obviously been part of it here at BDB. Yeah, so um, my, my background is obviously quite different to yours, so mm -hmm. coming at things from a, from a marketing background. And I'm sure we've talked about this before when we've hit on the topic of sales and marketing alignment. I, I think in general, marketing um, isn't, isn't really used to having too many like strict targets mm -hmm. placed against it. Yeah. Um, although I think you'll often end up with corporate saying, hey, can you give us some forecasts? Yeah. Can you tell us what we're going to get? But I'm a very like granular numbers guy as well. Yeah. So when it comes to trying to trying to you know work out what a campaign is going to deliver or what uh, you know you're going to be able to deliver from from what you're marketing within a year, you know I'm, I'm pretty good at breaking that down, thinking it through logically. If we're talking about website, it's it's all that thing from from visitors to conversion rates to that's your outcome. You're not happy with it. Well, yeah. What are we going to do? Are we going to increase? The visitors where we're going to increase the conversion rate and it's, mm -hmm. i suppose it's the same sort of thing applied to a much uh, like higher level on the whole business level that goes into forecasting yeah no absolutely absolutely i think it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that mindset to the business as well because i think it's not that common having that kind of granular detail mindset for sure i think as an entry level point certainly for many smaller businesses and many up-and-coming businesses out there uh, maybe less sophisticated businesses as, as they are developing on the forecasting side of things and certainly way back when at BDB as well probably when I first started it was very much the forecasting approach to entry level stuff of what did we do last year at a percentage yeah um, and that's kind of probably the the entry level forecasting in a way at the top line which um, I think is it's pretty easy in fact I actually saw a um <laughs> I saw an advert for Microsoft Excel which I think was released in 1992 the advert at least <laughs> And it was pretty much that. They, they quickly built a spreadsheet in an elevator on the way up to a meeting in this advert. Um, look it up if, you, if you've not seen it. It's quite funny and nostalgic. But essentially, they just added 10% per month or per year, whatever they were doing. Well, that typically is how it works at a lot of different businesses at a very crude, rudimentary level in the sense of, what do we do last year? What do we want to grow by? And bang, add, add something on. But the granular detail that actually sat behind that of how you're going to get there from a strategic perspective, completely missing. Yeah. Um, which obviously then made it very difficult to monitor progress, how you're performing, how you're going to get there, and how you're going to hit these kind of tangible metrics that you've, that you've put in and place. And the question on that subject, is it, 
is that obviously that method is fairly rudimentary but is it more applicable to some businesses than others so for example the type of work that we do can be quite spiky you can have a project that could you know be half a client's budget in a year yeah. and you know going into next year that might not happen but if you've got smaller more frequent sales do you think that's that's slightly more applicable yeah. So there's, there's kind of blessings and curses, depending on which sector you're within. Within our sector ourselves, yeah, it's increasingly challenging because of that spiky nature of different projects. But we're, again, relatively fortunate that we've still got a heavy base of retainer-based work as well. Mm -hmm. um, so certainly when we come down to set our forecasts, we're exceptionally granular with them. Um, so from a perspective of we have them by client, by month, by service line, by margin, with our overheads are relatively predictable and we can come on to that. But from a sales perspective, we get very, very granular. However, it's just interesting seeing different, I've seen loads of different agencies and the way they've done it over the years. So, so we've got the rudimentary entry level method, but then you've also got, you know, you're sitting there, how, how collaborative do you make the process? So is it, this, is it the FD sat in a room coming up with numbers that he's gonna produce? Or are you sat down with individual account directors talking through their portfolios and spends? And, that, and then how accurate are the predictions? At the end yeah. of the day, they are predictions. So unless, unless you've got revenue booked in place and, and contractually bound to you, which we do a bit, because of a retainer-based mm -hmm. uh, model, there's always an element of guesswork, yeah. which, you know, at a counter... Somebody said, hey, we've got a, uh, a campaign or a project we want to do in six months' time. Mm -hmm. That's not really on the books do you do you include it or not because that's a vague mention it's that you, you think they like you yep. you think they they're going to keep working with you but at the end of the day that could get pulled for any number of business reasons obviously a lot of reasons going on in the current landscape but they might also just decide to put that work somewhere else and a, and a lot of that comes back to the um the accountants we call the assumptions you apply in the model so it's more of a knowing your account director maybe let's just give you that story knowing the client knowing the um accuracy of previous year's forecasts. Mm -hmm. So a lot, a lot of people would look back to the previous year, what the, the, a lot of people don't do this, but they should do. What the, from the guesswork you made in the previous year, let's call it what it is, what, what of that came through mm -hmm. in a way? Um, how accurate were the assumptions that you made within last year's model? And does that give you the confidence therefore to yeah. roll that into the current year, which- So I suppose if applying this to any kind of predictions, a lot of people would probably look, they'd have a prediction last year and they'd have an actual figure yeah. and when doing this year's forecast I'd assume a lot of people would then just look at last year's actual mm -hmm. without taking into account how how accurate last year's predictions were versus the actual absolutely yeah so you get it was always a standing joke <clears throat> in, in, in what I used to do that people would spend hours and days creating these management packs the forecast packs 
and they get them beautifully bound up and they're spiral bound and they carry them around with them, but nobody ever really opened them because you were firefighting day to day and running from, from, from month to month. Very few people actually ever got the actual original deck back out and said, here's what we said we were going to do. Have we delivered this and how close we were to it? Yeah. Whereas genuinely, we do do that here, which is why we're always so close on the numbers, despite it being an incredibly unpredictable yeah. state of play. But I, I, guess, I guess for us, the, the forecasts are absolutely critical in our sector because it drives headcount. Yeah. Which I think is maybe more prevalent in our sector because we are so service-based service industry. So if we know we're going to grow by 25% next year or 30% or whatever number it, it could be, that could dictate that we need another 20 people. Yeah. But then is that enough? Is that a deep enough dive? But then the, <clears throat> the same does apply to other sectors, I suppose, doesn't it? In terms of knowing that, okay, we need to... We, we need to have this many inbound leads coming in or outbound leads, however you, yeah. how are you doing it? So we might need to hire this many more salespeople to make that happen because yeah, yeah. Um, we, we know a salesperson can typically churn out this many um, deals. Therefore, if we want to grow that, we might need to onboard new people. And I suppose the other aspect is tying that in with marketing because if you if you just leave it and wing it, you're probably not going to have the, the right level of marketing traffic coming in yeah. to, to actually you know deliver on 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 the lead numbers to hit your financial targets. But you end up caught in a cycle of chicken and egg in the sense of you're making your predictions, your assumptions in your model. They say you're going to grow by X. Fine. That would say you need an, a, you know, a certain number of people to join your business to be able to deliver that work. What what type of individuals they are. So if it's a salesperson, maybe it's a bit, arguably a little bit more generic where there's different types of salespeople, obviously. But in our game, if you know you're gonna, if you know a certain service line is going to grow, it's like, do you need a certain skill set to support that service line? Yeah. And how easy is that to find in the marketplace? And when do you start recruiting for that? Yeah. And then you end up with, you, you, I could sit here all day with you and go, right, in Q4, we're going to need to hire a, a digital manager. Yeah. But you, yeah, you, it, but it's, it's like, tough because you don't really know for certain. Do you, you don't know, know. Do you know it's a digital manager in Q4? Do we put a brief out with, with Lucy and the recruitment team to go and find a digital manager in Q4? Because you're sometimes looking at it and you know you might be about to win a project or pitching for a project and you're just like, this is quite a big one. Yep. If we win this, we could probably do with another person or two to help deliver some aspects of and it. And I think that's the challenging thing about forecasting an agency or any kind of service-based business is, is chicken and egg. So the old school way of doing it was win it and worry about it which was a phrase that was thrown at me all the way coming up through various firms, which at the time I got, and I still understand what they mean, but you can't do that. You can't yeah. win it and worry about it, particularly if you're continuing to grow. If it's continual, the growth, yeah. and you've got new clients coming on board, organic growth within your client base as well. Because it ends up um, you just can't being all, service. it's not ebb and flow anymore, it's just ebb. No, no, <laughs> no it's exactly that. It's exactly that. So for us, we're, we're, we've gone the other way now in terms of, probably worried about it more before we win it because you're carrying some overhead, you're carrying some additional costs waiting for the work to come and you've always you've got, kind of got this always on recruit, recruitment mode in a way mm. of pulling talent in when we find the right people, even if we're not quite sure where they fit yet because we've got the confidence that we will continue to grow and secure a new business. Yeah. But I think I think on the, on the forecasting side, I, I would encourage anybody that's ever doing it to be as granular as you can and break it down into as much detail as, as as you as you possibly see fit at that moment. So the way we the way we do it in the revenue side of things that may be interesting for people is we break it down into what we what, what I term known revenue. So as in booked, what what we've secured that isn't going anywhere, can't leave us, mm -hmm. isn't disappearing. We're also relatively fortunate at BDB that we've got sticky clients. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of um, we work with people for a long time, so it's quite unlikely we'll get a client. Quite yeah. unlikely we get clients leaving us, I would say, unless unless it's a 
proactive choice of ours yeah. or that's their situation changes. So you can, that, that block of revenue, fine, banked. You know what margins you make on it because you know you're, you've been working with them for a while, you know your price list, you know what costs you've got against it. Um, off the back of that, and this is where it gets interesting and more comical, I guess, with the sketches that we've seen online this week, of you then apply an element of stretch to that because obviously you want any any targets you're setting for the team to be ambitious but achievable. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it to be a rollover of hitting them, otherwise you're never going to grow. So you need people to be pushing a bit further. Yeah. Um, and it being encouraged to organically grow their clients. Which also base. benefits clients, you know, listening to the challenges they're having and mm-hmm. seeing how else they can be, you know, serviced. Yeah, and proactively bringing solutions to clients mm-hmm. is something that I'm really been by. I know you are as well, really passionate about of let's not just deliver what we've got, let's show them what, what's possible and show them yeah. what they could do and show them. Because otherwise you're, end, you're ending up in a position where you're a very transactional partner where somebody just says, we need another email to be built. And you say, okay, you want to be going beyond that and sort of saying, why, how can we help? What's this connected to? Is that all sorted? Do you need any more help around Absol- that? Absolutely. But then I think with the comedy with the comedy sketches, as I say, you simply see people, what's your stretch and what's your stretch stretch and what's your best case? And there's some, there's some funny yeah. things out there to watch on this. That's where it gets a bit silly, I suppose, of the forecasting of you can't just look at a spreadsheet and go like, mm, we really want to make a million. So let's just write a million. No, but most, <laughs> a lot of businesses do do that. So it's just blue sky above. So that if you've got, if you've got a million pound of revenue, but you want to get to 1.5 that year, fine, okay, stretch. We don't do that again here. And it's not the way, not the way you should approach it. So I would, I would look at your previous year and look at what you said you were going to do, what your booked revenue was versus what growth you delivered organically across that client base. So if you said you were going to do um, £1,000 with a client and you sold them 1200 great. You know, 20% of on that spend, fantastic. That's great. So you know you grew it by 20%. Maybe you'd take a bit of a prudent view on that and apply a discounted stretch factor to that that you think is achievable in that year. But by doing that in a, in a scientific way as possible, you're not going uh, add a million. It's a, it's a it's a considered strategic thought, and then you've got to make sure, obviously, you've got the the team, the efforts, and the drive behind it to make sure you are organically, yeah, um, growing those growing those clients in that way. And I suppose the other part of of being granular and referring back to the plan is you can see regularly how you're doing against the plan and what aspects of it can be improved. So I suppose taking my rudimentary like website example at the beginning realizing like is it is a certain client or product line whatever it might be for your business falling behind target mm-hmm. let's see what we can do about it is it not not as big a problem because that revenue is being recovered elsewhere and the market just moved a different direction to what we expected or is there something that we, that we need to be kind of marketing more or pushing more as part of that sales process but i think that's that's important about the collaboration between the ad or the the, the budget owner and the budget creator if you know what i mean in the sense of we get our ad's to sign off on the budget um, to commit to the numbers in a way because there's nothing to hide and because you're producing them collaboratively, collaboratively anyway, um, they shouldn't be worried about signing them up. But then yeah. we that's what that, we use that like the Bible then to not, not bang them over the head with because it's not like that, but to work with them with all yeah. those reasons you've just said there. So many businesses I used to work with never referred back to it because they were firefighting. You were like, well, but what you said you were going to do this. Yeah. What is the reason that's supporting this? And it might be valid reasons, obviously, of course. But if you never refer back to it, I think there's also a risk that even if you hit it, it's probably you've hit it because you're lucky rather than because you've put in constructed efforts to try and hit it. 100%. But I think then then you start moving towards what's the gap you need to plug to get to the growth number you want to get to in a way, new business. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
from a new business standpoint, new business to BDB would be a client that we've not billed previously, we've not worked with previously, or certainly wasn't in the numbers, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Sometimes we get clients coming back to us for certain projects and things. Because um, it can end up in very muddy water what qualifies as new business. Yeah. Uh, and you see that across many sectors, I think. And I've heard that from, from speaking to other people, you'll, you'll get like, oh, d does this count for my team? Oh, no, because we did work with them. You invoiced we them back in 2009 or something. Yeah. And you're like, well, not so that, that, those uh, commissions go to another team. Yeah, no, well, it's it, <laughs> very political and very siloed, which is why I hear we have that very clear rule. Have, were they in the plan? No. Have we invoiced them like previously in, 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 I think we used to say in the last three years, but we've, we've not really had the issue coming up recently. Yeah. But we're very clear on what new business is and what that number then represents. And yeah. that is blue sky. There's no denying that. Yeah. But again, you can be scientific about it of how close have you been to the previous predictions in previous years. So if you say you're going to deliver half a million pound of new business every year, how close have you come to that? Yeah. And if you've smashed it every year and you've done more, then your target should be higher. If you've done less, your target should be less. But then it ties into the overall strategy of the business as well of have you got plans? Have you got... Um, objectives and plans in play of how you're going to deliver this new business because there's yeah. no point sat there going we're going to do three quarters of a million if there's nothing behind it yeah um and again that is where a lot of businesses come unstuck i think at this part of the forecasting process that they, this is this is the number that gets you to the number you want to get to yeah um, oh you've got to be looking at that and just being like how is it that we're going to hit that what are we going to do how, how have we hit it in previous years yeah have we been lucky and got one really big deal through that's, that's kind of hit that entire target in one go? If so, is that likely to happen again? Because if I guess that has to yeah, be factored yeah. into it. Yeah, but I also think uh, a big thing when I came into the B2B space was considering the lead conversion time. Yeah. Because delivering and billing, billing in the year, say a million pounds of new business, just picking easy numbers out the air, is one thing, but you've got to win it and then bill it yeah, to yeah. get the benefit. In it the takes year. a long time, doesn't it? Yeah. I, there's, there's so many clients that I've, pitched for at BDB where I think the one example I'm thinking of I think we pitched like October 2019 mm -hmm. um, and then I think it didn't the project didn't complete until about September 2021 yeah. and I think the project probably took about six months to deliver but there was a lot of obviously with the pandemic I think was a big factor there as well there was a lot of back and forth mm -hmm. we definitely we are doing it we'd started it yeah. and then it just kind of got not put on hold but probably more on a back burner while other things are worked out in between and that's just I think the, the nature of a lot of B2B companies is decision making slow other priorities can come in between that, that slow it down even further yeah. I don't know what the average deal cycle for for to be years, but I feel to, like they used to say six months. Yeah, they used to say six months was the number that I've seen quoted in various studies and guides and everything in terms of. And I think that is not misrepresentative of the, tr the truth, but I think it's probably a bit longer yeah. in my viewpoint. From the moment from first point of contact to actually getting an invoice out the door, I think would be probably six to twelve. I think realistically. So again, if you're sat there starting off your forecast year and you have nothing in your pipeline and you're saying you're going to do a million pound of new business. You either need to get a move on, yeah, or or have something up your sleeve. Because I know we've been had those conversations happen. in the past where you get to sort of halfway through the year, which for us is, I guess, December, and yeah. then it's like, well, we've not we've not done it yet. Yeah. So where's it going to come from? Because even if we start pitching to somebody now, it probably won't be signed off for three months, and then you've only got two or three months left in the financial year Absolutely. to actually get anything built. But then knowing that, knowing that cycle, and knowing your own cycle in whichever businesses you're in would you be better focusing on organically growing your existing client base who you've already got contacts you've already got leads you've already got um, opportunities with 
than going and trying to convert a brand new, yeah. in our case, a brand new B2B global I suppose that program. comes down to the nature of your business. Obviously, in our case, we're full service agencies and there's a lot of services that we can offer to clients and yeah. the odds that we're already supplying the full gamut, I think for any of our clients is probably quite low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously, if you've got a, a more simplified offering where you might sell one or two things, and they're already buying it, there yep. might not be a lot you have to grow there. So effectively, if you've sorted your revenue, then you've got to a revenue target that what you want to get to. Margins, gross margins or contributions or whatever you want to refer to them as are relatively easy, I think, in most businesses because you've got a historical trend behind them. Mm-hmm. Unless you've got cost of goods and raw materials yeah. and that kind of thing, which does, does make it a lot more complex. And supply of goods, which I think will, yeah. will have been affecting everybody in the last couple of years. No, absolutely. So Especially our, this year. In ours, it's relatively easy because we've got relatively steady prices. We know what we charge a client. A lot of ours is intellectual thinking and headspace yeah. and, and that kind of thing. We're paying for the service as opposed to aborting cost, as an example. Yeah. So our margins are relatively easy to predict. But then I would encourage anybody thinking about agencies to in- introduce certain KPIs, particularly around revenue per head, which would drive the recruitment need that the business needs. Um, and any any kind of forecasting you do, you can find many articles uh, with different stats and different revenues per head. And you've still got to make a judgment on your own business and your mm-hmm. own situation. I think uh, digital agencies can go as high as 150k ahead, as an example. Uh, dollars, I think that would that would have been in philosophy mm-hmm. that I did. Um, more PR, traditional based agencies go down to 100k ahead. Yeah, but then you go into and it, so this is why you need to factor in your, your business, because if you're less organized or you've got software in place that helps make things much more streamlined, mm-hmm. will will massively change you know, where all, you sit in that spectrum. It's also never been lost on me though. So say you could have 100 team members and I could have 100 team members and you've got 100 really experienced ADs, and I've got 100 apprentices, the KPI is instantly flawed. Yeah. So there's no, my, my apprentices will not be able to deliver 100K ahead, whereas yours may, may be able to, as an example. Mm-hmm. So you've also got to consider the makeup of the team alongside yeah. it. So it's, it's definitely not an exact science, but it does give you a steer when you're doing the numbers that you suddenly see you've got 200K ahead, and you're like, that's ambitious. Yeah, uh, same applies to, to any organization that's got salespeople. You'll have salespeople that smash a target every single time, and you'll mm-hmm. have people that are way behind that and then you'll have a lot of people that I suppose doing all right hitting the target sometimes not others yeah no no absolutely so, and it's it's an interesting one but for us it's absolutely critical as well because particularly when you've got real rock stars in your team and really high caliber talent you don't want to be sweating your assets and becoming known as a sweatshop and various agencies get referred to as that where they just sweat their assets really hard um, total disregard for the team. You can't. You can't do that. I don't say it anymore. You should never have been doing it. But you yeah. certainly can't do it anymore. I, I think the big difference there. I, I would like to say that no company should be doing it. Absolutely. But, but I think but that's especially true when you're in a business like ours, where people are effectively a product. So I hope that's not demeaning to anybody in the no. team when I say that. But we sell our time, and therefore somebody leaving is the effect for a manufacturing business of, of losing one of your raw materials. Yeah, your machine goes, yeah. goes down. Exactly. No, no it is. So we're a service-based business, but so it's critical. And particularly, I always feel like we're trying to be as authentic as we can. So if you stand at the front and tell your team, I think it's about your well-being, we're going to look after you, we're going to nurture you, we're going to develop you, but then you need to make them do 80-hour weeks. You can't authentically say that. Yeah. So you've got to take that into account as well of how much of a risk you want to take with that revenue per head number, knowing the makeup of your team. How hard are they going to be working? Clearly, people want to be working hard and challenged, and you accept it's it's not a nine to five job very often, mm-hmm. but you also don't want it to be significantly more than that on a consistent basis. So when yeah. you're looking at your headcount and your pot of spend you want to allocate to new hires or new team members across the year, 
just have that in the back of your head. If you, if you think you're pushing that KPI, you're probably going to end up pushing your team as well. Yeah. Particularly if there's a lead time on getting people into roles. Yeah. Which is, again, increasingly challenging. And I think you said, to apply this, I suppose, to, to some of our clients, I think you said a point there uh, like previously, which I think is worth emphasising, which is around what you're saying about working with the, in our case, with our account directors to, to establish... Um, their targets. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a key thing is getting collaboration and buy-in from pretty much everybody that's involved in it. Um, yes, needing to push back and challenge them if they're not setting ambitious enough targets, but making sure that they understand that they've got a target, they need to have a target, that target can be hit, yeah. and th- that effectively, you are all in together. They might be responsible for that one part of it, but you need to work together to try and make this happen because yeah. the whole plan is uh, for the business is going to be... Um, hit or miss based on their part hitting or missing no absolutely absolutely I think it, it, you've, got, you've got to make it as collaborative as you can otherwise it's just seen as a finance exercise that somebody's done in the corner yeah. I was always adamant when BDB I didn't want it to be like that I want it to be a really bought in process that we stand and we say this is the plan and everybody's really seen yeah. it everybody's been involved and everybody's sat there confidently thinking we can deliver this you don't want somebody sat there going like yeah we can build twice as much for that client this year well, they, used to do, they used to do it at various <laughs> companies that I go to that they'd make it collaborative and you'd submit your numbers and then when it came to showing you what the plan was, they weren't your numbers. And that was that. I, they used to do that where I used to work. They'd literally go, right, you're going to do a million pounds this year. Your client portfolio is a million pounds or two million pounds, whatever it would be. Um, and you, you submit your numbers. You sign them off in the meeting. You're like, great, we're done. Two million pounds. We've all agreed. And you walk out the room, you come back and you're at four. And you're like, what? We said, we said two. You know, so so you've got to make it genuinely collaborative. Your best, your best bet. You <laughs> yeah, <want> stretch. <laughs> very much like that. And I think the other... Before we finish off, the other aspects obviously you're forecasting is it and your general overheads in the business, which certainly in the current economic climate is challenging as well because the a lot of the costs from your heat, your light, your power, yeah. um, rent, your rate are going through. Yeah, you've got it's not only about those costs as well, is it? Because every or many companies are putting up their costs, mm-hmm. and therefore every boarding cost you have other than other than your raw costs is going up as well i don't think there's a single supplier to our business that hasn't put their costs up in the last 12 months mm. so taking that into account and the demands of the, the, your team and your, your your workforce in terms of wanting to be paid well because it's a very very competitive marketplace for salaries you've got to pass those costs on um and it might not be music to you know clients or prospects or businesses ears but Strongly suspect they're doing the same thing. Of course they are. But it's also more of a case of you won't survive. Like in, in this current economic climate with the overheads going up through the roof, your raw material costs going up through the roof, your salaries going through the roof, it, it will force businesses to contract. And I also think you'll see a lot more businesses struggling this year before the year's out. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought that um, kind of the recession and the crash of a lot of companies had happened during the pandemic. And speaking to a lot of friends and contacts who work in that space, there's prediction obviously there's a recession on the horizon and if that yeah. is the case and you can't pass your costs on because some businesses won't be able to um, or at least get some kind of compensatory measure to help uh, it will just stifle people's cash flow and you think you'll see more businesses struggling there which you'll be a real shame obviously but. and really mess up forecasts well, mess up the forecasts. <laughs> you might as well put them in the bin at that point anyway, but yeah. So, um, so yeah hopefully that was interesting for people to start a quick canter through and a walk through the forecasting process how we go about it here if anybody wants any more detail on it Obviously, it's a subject quite close to my heart and um, things that I've been deeply involved with across various businesses during the course of the last few years. If, if you want models, if you want to see how we do it, we've got very, very detailed spreadsheets and models and, and predictions that I think could be applied to various other businesses. So if you're out there and you want to see some detail behind it, by all means, give us a shout. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week on the B2B Impact.
Thanks.